Hello, welcome to Aero Bandwidth, your source for everything you need to know about the technologies, trends, and concepts that are steering our industry today. We hope that you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please subscribe. Good afternoon, everybody, or good morning, or good evening, or wherever you might be. This is the North American version of Aero Bandwidth. I am co-hosted by the illustrious and gorgeous David Fern out of the UK and Jamie Wong, one of our premier security engineers here in Denver, Colorado. Fantastic. Face for radio. At least that's that's my uh, that's why I do this podcast. That's what my mom told me. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, Jamie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So, my name is Jamie Wong. I am a technical solutions architect, um, but I am primarily focused on security. Fantastic. And you were in Austin, Texas, and now you live here in lovely Denver. That is correct. I was Austin. born and raised in Austin, Texas. Uh, first time leaving Austin, or actually like moving out of Austin, I mean, uh, was out here to Colorado, and I love it. Nice. I must admit, I, uh, of all the places in America I would go and live, this would be it, because I'm big into outdoors. And every time I come yes, to exactly. come to the air- airport, like I go to like, so for example, you go to like London Airport, you go to like San Francisco or LA or, or New York, and everyone's like, and you come here and it just feels much more relaxed, much more real. Home. It's really nice. I yeah. love it. I love it. And it will always be home. So <clears throat> so what I'd like to do today in this session is we're going to do Security 101, like part two. So a couple of years back, David and I co-hosted an original Security 101, much more around kind of state of the union, where things are at, what comprises security. But again and again at partner conferences, Jamie, I know you and I have been to things, David and I have talked about Mm -hmm. this, that we continue to get asked, hey, I want to get into security or hey, what are you guys seeing around security? And so it's not necessarily, I mean, firewall endpoint stuff anymore. So, I mean, Jamie, you actually were talking to some of our internal folks this morning. So I'm going to kick it off to you. What is the state of security today? Network security, IT security, you have the ball. Yeah, absolutely. So... And network security is always um, a good place to start, right? Because that was where, in the past, people put majority of their focus was at their gateway. And it made sense at the time, but uh, the problem is attacks themselves have evolved since then. And they've realized that, hey, if you get past the gateway, well, we can pretty much get to our objective, right? And so uh, security has evolved and now has a presence in multiple places of your network. So it's not sitting just at the gateway, but... We need visibility with our end users, with our servers, within our data center, our cloud environments. So we're needing a way to orchestrate or to really have visibility around all of that. So with different, I don't want to say just point solutions, but with different um, solutions around different areas of your network or different places of your network, um, they're generating a lot of different rich data. Uh, We need a way to kind of tie all that together. So we're starting to see a, a big trend, kind of a comeback really, uh, with SIM technologies, incorporating a lot more machine learning, uh, focuses with uh, user entity behavior analytics, um, just a lot more orchestration in general. So vendor agnostic kind of approaches, something, a solution that can ingest logs, ingest data from multiple suppliers. I know I was there for a reason. So we're talking about data intelligence, really. Exactly. So we're going to do a nice pony up for you on that. So, Cool. I mean, so I, I must admit, I remember I remember a good few years ago now when um, the sort of the big thing in security was its ability for different security pieces of technology to like talk to each other mm-hmm. and be able to share what was going on in their vision of the world and then 
communicate that to something else to say, I'm seeing this, maybe you should look here. I mean, I think one of the biggest and funnest things about doing these 101 shows is that actually you can do them about every year because the 101 changes. Um, So what is, you know, you've spoken about some of the sort of the areas, but sort of in, in this, in the field, where do you, where do you start? You know, as a, as a partner looking to, I suppose, getting in, well, I'm going to start with a really, really basic question to start with because I'm going to be, I'm going to play the stupid person because I'm really not up to date on security anymore. If you are a partner who is in, say, storage or apps and you want to get into security, is it even worth it anymore? Or has it moved on to such a degree that actually it's almost impossible to actually get started now and you should just leave it to the people, the, the mainstayers and, and be done with it? So I'll take first crack at it and then let Jamie talk to it. So I get asked that question. I have the privilege of being with a lot of our large North American customers at conferences. And and honestly, that's not a dumb question. They ask that, right? Hey, I do a ton of EMC and Citrix, but our customers are saying, hey, we need security. How do we start? Somewhat flippantly, and if you know me, that's not all that uncommon, (laughs) is my answer is if you want to start a security practice, go buy one. Yeah. Now, if you've got the means, as they say in Ferris Bueller, I highly recommend it. If not, and you are committed to doing a security practice, then go find a security principal that actually has the chops, right? That has a background as a practitioner that can actually talk the talk and walk the walk. Yeah. you got to find the right person, right? Right. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to start selling next-gen firewall and endpoint and call myself a security shop. You'll have some drag with that, you know, and there's some ability to do adjacencies, but you won't be a security shop, right? It's going to be an add-on. And there's success in doing that, right? So... We've had customers, for example, a fairly successful one in Midtown Manhattan was they did just that. They sold a ton of EMC, a ton of Citrix. Their customers were financial organizations, hedge funds, lawyers and stuff right there in New York City. It was how do we help them with some of their security? Easy wins for them were newer endpoint, better VPN. But then it was they want to start talking about PCI and Basel and requirements and encryption. And the recommendation was you guys need to hire somebody to actually do that and walk yeah. you down that road. I mean, Jamie, are you seeing the same things when you're out talking yeah. to partners? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always it's tough when you don't already have a security practice and you're you're realizing the need for it. I mean, ultimately, the goal of security is essentially the same. You're trying to protect your your stuff, right? Your endpoints, your data, applications, all of that. And um, I mean, if you're wanting to not go maybe like a service route, but just wanted to start somewhere, it's you really got to focus on what's important to you mm-hmm. um, and go from there because there's so many different approaches to security. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can start at your application. You can start, like you mentioned, at the server at the gate or at the gateway. Right? Mm-hmm. So I suppose the, the, the advice is find an adjacency. Yeah. So if you're a storage, a traditionally a storage-centric um, value-added reseller, Find security that's adjacent to to storage. Yeah, so like which isn't hard. Let's encryption, you know, data at rest, data in flight, data in motion, you know, SSL encryption, network encryption, you know, things like that. Um, those are good ones. You know, um, mobile devices. Again, what are you doing for protection okay. on those virtual desktops? Things like that. So, okay. And I think one thing for me is an interesting observation, and I'd like your guys' feedback on it. David, you and I just did a, a podcast around our cloud practices last so, week or last week yeah um, around our cloud practices and there was a lot of talk around security about that and i think jamie brought up an interesting point historically we worried about the gateway whatever that is you know the firewall ingress egress point you think about that's your primary way in and out of the network until probably what 10 15 years ago and we in it have to remember that we're outliers right not everybody worked from home the way we do but traditionally you went to work 
and you used your machine, whether it was a desktop or a laptop, and you went home. If you worked remotely, maybe you VPNed in and it was a, a you know what we call a hard tunnel back to the office. Or I remember I had a, a dedicated phone line that dialed into a modem bank at the financial institution I worked wow. at. You didn't just take your work laptop and bounce out to Starbucks and, and you know, no. hit your VPN and bounce in. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, so then you get a drive-by download and you get owned. You come to the office and like Jamie was saying, I completely bypassed my perimeter defenses. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has created a ton of stuff. So I mean, from the one-on-one standpoint, you know, we, I'm, I want to talk a little about some of the terms and Jamie, where you're seeing them and David, you know, what you know. You know, you talk about visibility and, you know, what does that mean when we talk about network and security visibility? Micro-segmentation, you know, is a buzzword that's getting thrown around. I don't know that I've seen a ton of traction on micro-segmentation. Mm. Um, that's interesting because you know, I, I would have thought from, from someone who doesn't, someone who's a, a network, so I've got a degree in network engineering, yeah. okay? So I come in from that very, very base layer. And I looked at that and I thought, oh my God, that's literally holy grail type stuff, but looks incredibly complicated to actually... And, implement and then more importantly maintain that's it exactly. exactly so i'll play the devil's advocate so you're the network engineer i'm going to come in with some sort of a micro segmentation opportunity and say hey david i got this really cool thing it's the holy grail however i'm going to ask you to put it on top of your existing infrastructure yeah. and yeah. pray to god that we don't blow stuff up is that cool but is that right okay <laughs> we, we we digress slightly here but i think it's an important point is that not the fundamental purpose though of software defined networking I would we, say it, we're pointing yeah, at Jamie. We're pointing at Jamie. Yeah, no, she's I would in, say it is yeah. absolutely, but that's that's the challenge, right? It's it's. I mean, it's hard to adapt because you're having to change everything and to be more software dependent now. Yeah. So I'm going to put a poll out there on on Twitter for us. You know, yeah. So hashtag arrow bandwidth. I'd love actual feedback from all y'all on who's actually doing SDN and if you're doing it in place. Or I will say, I will concede the point that. In new applications, I'll say that it's stood up as an empty box and then workloads are moved to it, right? Or an empty structure and workloads yeah, okay. are moved to I'll it. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. So, so if SDN is a bit of a non-starter, and I must admit, coming back to the real world, that's probably exactly the same trend that we're seeing in Europe. But what about um, NFV? You guys come across network function virtualization? I see it in more like DevOps and testing, and, and it, it's cool. Right. Yeah. But again, it's it's something that, and and I'll I'll take the heat. Right. I was a network engineer for years, and I dealt with it. Is that you have a tough time going to specifically network engineers in large enterprises that have stuff exactly the way it is. They know where their VLAN configs are. They've got Rancid config all set up. They've got all their trail links done. It's a really tough sell to say, hey, can I abstract all this stuff and make the change for the sake of change? When they're like, I don't change VLANs that often. Right. right. I mean. Coming back to my my network engineer sort of holy grail head on service chaining, you know, if I can literally give everyone their own personalized one well, or every service its own personalized firewall, IPS, IDS, all of these services that were otherwise centralized because I only had one physical box on the network, now I've got a thousand virtual versions of it that are specific to the application and give absolute security inside my micro segmented network. Is that not a really good thing? Is or it, is it once again one of these supremely you know, practically impractical things to do in the real world? Well, I'll tee this up. I'll softball it for Jamie. You, the answer is yes, if you can do that, it's phenomenal. I think what has happened is that to achieve that end goal is that security companies have stepped in in a way without modification to the network. 
So you look at things like zero trust networks or when you've got deep integration like with um, like certain APIs like VMware's got their vShield API that has a deep hook for, yep. you know, outside the VM. It's at that, that deep API layer. Citrix has some options for the virtual shimming. You can deploy on a pseudo flat network, but still achieve that, you know, perimeter isolation. No, you're not your own slash 32. No, you don't have your own ACLs, <laughs> but it is an easier thing to deploy yeah. on top of a virtual environment or to deploy like a, a zero point or a zero trust network, Jamie. Is that is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And from a security standpoint, I mean, that'd be fabulous, right? We, we put security closer to all the application, all the servers that are, are there in the data center. However, the challenge is not slowing down workload, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have a lot of developers and yep. so, yeah, there's always that battle between DevOps and security. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, yeah. That's going to be something that, that rages on forevermore. Yeah, the DevOps, DevOps guys want to circumvent any possible thing that slows them down, and the security guys want to try and put lock everything yeah, down lock everything down to within yep. inches. Right, totally, totally get that. So coming back from our digression, that was my my personal little digression because <laughs> it's one of these things that I've always I was always fascinated but by. It. But to your point though, this is actually what happens in real security discussions because yeah. it is such a that's the whole point. It's, it's such a broad category. What the hell is yeah, we, security? We call them rat's nests. Yeah. Um, so on the note of what is security, what I would now like to do is I'd like to understand what are, so if I'm a partner and, I'm, and I want to go and have a conversation with an customer, what are the top things I should be going and talking about? Firstly, I'd like to know the top thing I should be going and talking about to differentiate myself. What's new? What's exciting? What's something that the customer might not have heard of, but is really quite a, a big thing that more people should be aware of. That's number one. And I'll come to number two in a minute. One of four of it. So are we talking about just hmm, I guess bigger trends that we're seeing? Is that kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly that. What's 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 the what's the biggest trend in security? What, what you know, one of the things I always like to try and do is I like to try and give our partners a talking point, something they can go and yeah, take yeah. away. You give them give them a little sort of interesting sort of mm-hmm. this is something that you should be more aware of than you probably already are. And your customers are going to become more aware of. And actually, if you go in and talk about it with them first, you've immediately won their minds over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the first thing that comes to mind um, is just about environments in general uh, in that we're having to adapt our security posture with it. Right. So before everything was um, a hosted infrastructure that you managed. Mm. So now we're seeing that transition into adopting more cloud. So whether that means cloud applications or doing more of a hybrid deployment or just going full-blown cloud, right? Um, so there becomes a security challenge with that because um, now we're having to secure your own infrastructure as well as the cloud, right? So um, today I think people are needing more security uh, with that in mind. Um, so things that can play well with cloud solutions as well as... It's like a federated hybrid security model which yeah yeah yeah. and 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 there's there's additional challenges to that like like compliance for example um so that's becoming a a really big hot topic is uh solutions that can generate these reports for you compliance reports for you that make you aware Uh, yeah yeah so so not 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 desperately sexy but incredibly important exactly yeah which is often the stuff that gets forgotten so i have a 1a before you come in with two that's fine (laughs) so last week the question was asked to me from I think I think maybe you asked it or TJ asked it. We talked about the delta between cloud environment versus on-prem versus hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. And so the security ramifications and all yeah. that thing. And the question to me was, do you think in 2019 and going forward are on-prem environments more secure than cloud? 
and so and I, I know how I answer, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna prejudice you towards an answer. But I, I would actually ask you that same question to see what you're hearing because I know what I'm hearing and what, what my viewpoint good, is. That's a good question. Yeah, that is a really good question. Is I don't know if I can say if one is more secure than the other. I mean, uh, the challenge is the shift in responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. So are you trusting um, you know the big players like Amazon to keep your data secure versus? yourself right Mm -hmm. um where you have a lot more control you have a lot more visibility into your own infrastructure um yeah that's i mean that's that's a really interesting question could you go with it's equal yeah i'm I'm torn honestly (laughs) it's tough for me to answer that question Um, so i'll I'll give a little color to kind of where i landed it was from when we talked about it from so it kind of spun from the economics model right of Mm -hmm. if you've got a server on-prem or an infrastructure on-prem you got to think about a body to run it and patch it and maintain it mm-hmm. and do this and do the things and do that versus if you provision a box from Azure, Microsoft, AWS, Google, Red Hat, Oracle, whoever, by and large, I mean, niche cases notwithstanding, out of the box, there are certain things that have been done for you, you know, so that was kind of that was that was our thought that thought process that we were kind of discussing if that helps yeah it does think so i think that. i think i was going a little bit beyond that right so thinking of how if we if we trust somebody else to do that job better than us right yeah. so that's actually a really really important point to take away is you know yeah it's that, that which is, that which is trust. why yeah which is why i was saying i'm kind of torn in between cuz i mean ultimately i'd like to believe that me and my team would do a better job uh, be, you know, managing our own infrastructure and securing it and patching it, et cetera, versus leaving that responsibility to somebody else. This is how you know Jamie was a security engineer for real. She trusts <laughs> no one except her own work. Zero trust. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> trust but verify. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, if it's like um, so for example, then let's 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 look at some real world exa- real world situations. So, if it's like an AWS or a, one of the tier one hyperscalers, AWS, Microsoft, Azure, Alibaba, would you trust them? To, to handle the security of your infrastructure as well as you could? Personally, yeah, cool. I do. Yeah. Good, so we've, we've picked the right ones then. <laughs> good news, good news. So good, now, well, the cat's out of the bag is that you and I agree on that, so I don't look like a complete idiot. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that was sort of the conclusion we came to. And I suppose you have a lot of individual responsibility, but actually, are the responsibilities you have in securing the cloud any more or less sort of whatever than, than securing stuff on-prem? You still got to encrypt. You still got to have key management. You still got to do this. Still got to do that. Still got to do the other. And actually, as long as you follow those ways of doing things, you shouldn't actually have a big problem where your data is. Really. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, thank you. That's the future. Right, David. We haven't actually had yours yet. What do you? What, come on. What are your future trends? So, what is everyone going to be talking about security this year? So, and I've I've mentioned it is is me my the the drum that I beat this mm. year and the next couple of years, I really believe that the shift you're going to see in security, especially, I think more than other places is around automation and orchestration. Yeah, There's a reason, there's there's tons of reasons for that, right? And we've talked about this. If you spent more than 10 minutes with me at any one of our events, you know, I speak, we've got a massive skills gap. Look at Slashdot, look at any, you know, tech related thing, dark reading, whatever it is, hit me up and I'll, I'll shoot you a list of all the stuff I read it. Yeah, we'll put know. some of the links in the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah there are not enough of us to go around, right? And so do you really want, you know, very expensive security engineers like Jamie sitting and parsing your logs? No, you don't. Absolutely not. It's not realistic. So it's a matter of taking tools like SIM and 
you know, your, your spam inboxes, things like that, and feeding them to some sort of an engine that can do things. Mm-hmm. And I hate the phrase AI unless it's Skynet. I think it's, uh, it's a marketing term. You and I can talk Very about that over a beer. Very um, but machine learning is a thing, right? So yeah. you look at things like, you know, Phantom, Swimlane, Demisto. There's a couple of really cool ones out there that are taking that, you know, known data set and saying, okay, known good, known bad, filtering that out. So it does, you know, it takes that SIM to that next level, right? Because SIM, the whole, the whole holy grail, to use your phrase, of SIM was like, look, there's only two things you need to worry about. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it was except, to boil it down. Yeah, except on a 50,000 event per second network like Arrow, that's two events per second that are still considered important, right? <laughs> and so if I can say, okay, I know that based on that source IP, that file, it's from David Fern, we know we don't trust him, it's to this, we can score and say bad. We know that's bad. Yeah. And so then we can help boil that down. But then you can take it to the next level. So when you know it's a known bad, why even waste time with an analyst? Go fire off a script that says, you know, hey, go actually drop this intermediation VLAN. Have, you know, your, your EDR tool come zap this thing or nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure, right? Do all these things automatically and then just send me a report on it. And then you can actually parse out that subset of things that an engineer like Jamie should go take a look at because AI says, hey, this is hinky. Mm-hmm. You know, I've run it through my behavior analytics engine. I've scored it a certain way. I want you to look at this. So I'm all around the orchestration automation. Yeah. And I think it's going to tie into probably this a little farther out, maybe 10 years. It's all of IT is going to be policy based like around that. the business. Yeah. You will you will sit down with the business owners, the business leaders, the C-suite and all of your IT orchestration, all your IT automation will be driven by that. What are your requirements? What are your you know needs from PCI, HIPAA, et cetera, et cetera, whatever? What are your SLAs? What are your requirements for this? What do you want your response times to be? What are your acceptable outages? And that's what will actually drive the decisions. Do I put stuff on prem? Do I put it in the cloud? Do I have tier one or two two storage? Do I do you know dual links, etc. And hopefully the net 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 of all of this is that you don't have to make the decision. decision exactly. For yeah. You. yeah. Exactly. The that's policy the makes the decision, right? Yeah. And right. so then actually it becomes that business. And again, it takes that risk management out of it. It reduces that risk posture. And from an audit standpoint, yay, because it's consistent yeah. year after year after year. Now, what that means for those of us in the industry is that all y'all that don't know how to do this stuff need to learn, right? If you're just a server admin, learn to do something else. Yeah, when we said this for years, I, mean, I have a really good um, story of a, of a friend of mine who was a BlackBerry Enterprise Gateway, or I think that was what it was called, engineer. And he was like, this was in the height of when Blackberries, everyone had a Blackberry. And I remember saying to him, you might want to diversify. Learn about Microsoft <laughs> Server or something like that. And he was like, no, 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 no. This is literally going to be my job for the rest of my life. I'm on more money than cents. I mean, we, we were quite young at the time. And he was just like, yeah, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I'm learning more and more and more. And within two years, BlackBerry had all but just cratered, imploded on <laughs> itself. And he was out of a job. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's struggling to get like a one level one support job. And I was like, diversity is critical. Once mm-hmm. again, we digress. But... Sorry, did you want to finish? No, I, I actually think to dovetail on that, we digress. But it, again, in security, these are the things, right? Because what I don't want to tell partners is go chase next gen, next gen, next gen, whatever, because you can be next gen all day long. Yeah. Yes, we all know who the shiny, you know, darlings of the room are right now in the industry. And yes, they get a lot of attention. And yes, there's validity in learning those things because there's a market for it and go get it. But I would say don't hit your wagon to just that thing, yeah. right? Yes, look in those trends. You know, obviously EDR, the new sexy EDR is important. EDR is? Um, and, and endpoint detection or remediation. So okay. beyond antivirus, so let's say, hey, I found something. Okay, you found something. 
EDR will actually go do something, right? Like we talked about, it'll actually go take action. I mean, Jamie, are, are you saying similar things? I mean, I don't want to dominate this. Yeah, but what's yeah, your advice? Um, so just kind of um, going off of the, the EDR conversation. So, yeah, I mean, you have endpoint protection, right? And this is stopping things from actually happening. Uh, the, the problem, not, I don't want to say the problem, but the difference between the like a endpoint protection solution versus an EDR um, is the EDR is going to give you the ability to see what led up to the event. So mm. it's going to allow you to do a little bit more threat research and grab mm. some more intelligence out of that. So whether that means, you know, uh, packets that were recorded and playbacks or, you know, you can actually see commands that were executed, all that good stuff. So that brings me on. Annoyingly, it doesn't bring me on to my actual next question, but I've got a question <laughs> I'm really desperate to ask now. Threat hunting. How important is threat hunting in an, a, an organizational level? Should enterprises based on literally what you just said there because obviously you, if you've got that sort of trail audit trail but you've got no one that can actually threat hunt is this is this something is this a big thing is this a thing is this a it, it, it's, it's a thing <laughs> it's a thing but like you said so uh, spinning off of that right you don't have a threat hunting team right you don't really have an incidents response team already built out um fortunately there's tools that can assist you with that so okay. when you have things like edr tools um, you have threat hunting tools, um, but if you don't have a dedicated team to actually dive in to see exactly what happened so you can build more preventative measures up, um, up front, mm. um, there are still preventative solutions mm-hmm. around it. So if uh, maybe just stopping the attack was the most important thing to you and not knowing the details behind it, it you know, it's... It, it's it, the it, it kind of yeah. du- It's almost a double-edged sword yeah. because the thing is with the prevention piece as well, you're not going to know what you didn't catch. Yep. You know what I mean? I would, I would agree. <laughs> and, and, and my counterpoint was, again, a little flippant is, why do you care? So yeah. I'm a car guy, if you know me. So I, I, I'll put it this way. The check engine light in your car comes on. You take it to the shop. They tell you, oh, yeah, um, injection, you know, in, in, you know, you've got an injector and in, in bank two that's uh, out. So why do you care? Because Are I'm, you a so mechanic? I, like, I have a, at the end of the day, if your job is to fix the car, as our job is to fix and make the network yeah. better, I care. Right. My CEO won't care, but he my CEO, care. but my CEO does care that his car takes him from A to B, as he will expect his network. Yeah. We are the engineers who are saying the check engine light is on because this is the problem. So mm-hmm. to that end, do we should enterprises be investing in threat teams, or actually is this a really good opportunity for partners to come and actually say, we'll sell you the software. But more importantly, when this it's pings the, up a big exactly. red light, yep. we'll be the ones that go and do the threat hunting. That's exactly you, right. Build the policy, and away you go. You haven't got to invest in the skill set yourself. So let's take a look at this way, right? So if you're if you're been on the intern webs for more than five minutes, you know that Aero Electronics sponsors an IndyCar team. Do you think any of us here? I mean, I would like to play with the Indy cars, but <laughs> if you know if one of those if one of those you know twin turbo Honda engines throws a code and it goes up to the control panel, I am I have no idea. We pay people to do those things, yes. right? Same thing, you know, on a lower level is, you know, you have a Honda and, you know, Jamie's got her Nissan. If it's it, GTR. That's true. <laughs> Jamie has a very badass car. <laughs> but to your to earlier point is that unless you want to have mechanics on staff, yeah. you may as well take to the shop and have them swap out the fuel injector. It's yeah. cheaper and more effective in the long run. Now, if you really want to tinker with it and fiddle around with it and do all those things from a nerd standpoint, and I use that because I am one too, I love doing the threat hunting because it's super fascinating. But at the end of the day, you're right. The boss doesn't care. And again, do you really want to pay Jamie to do that, or do you want her to, you know, bigger picture? I see fewer and fewer organizations outside, like maybe the Fortune 10, 
that have threat hunting teams, they outsource it to these guys that are really good at it. Right. They're also very expensive, right? Absolutely. That's why we have IndyCar drivers to drive our IndyCar. Yeah. The good thing is, though, whenever you have solutions in place at, say, like your endpoint, for example, that is making these discoveries and collecting all of this intelligence, fingerprinting your users, um, that's when we have solutions that are like, or, you know, orchestrating solutions, mm-hmm. SIM type solutions, security analytic solutions that can make all this data useful. Uh, Just because we have a tool that can pull it doesn't mean we're going to do something with it, right? So whenever you do have a solution like a SIM or a security analytics, we can make that actionable because now we can identify what's normal behavior versus abnormal behavior, and then we can do something with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that was meant to be a five-minute question, which turned into a 25-minute question. (laughs) But I'm still going to ask my next question because I think it's important. So (laughs) that was was 25 minutes on the future. Um, But what about now? So my my, my second part of, of that question was... That's what people should be looking at, you know, to go and have that next-gen conversation. But probably the question that should have come before that is, where are people not focusing enough at the moment? What are the existing types of pieces where where more investment could be needed or actually people are a bit under-leveraged or not really taking existing problems seriously enough? Where you... Very much this is a your experience thing, because I don't think this is something yeah. that generally sort of pops up in the... Do you want this one, Jamie, or do you want me to take first crack at um, this? Mine's really, really short and succinct. Sure, yeah, take first crack. Patch your stuff. Oh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, 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 it's so I'm, undervalued. Yeah, and it sounds so flippant, right? And that's the third time I've used it. That'll be the last time I use that word in this conversation. But realistically, right? I mean, I was an actual field engineer for years before I came to do this job, right? So I've been there, done that. I've lived it. No amount of fancy next-gen crap or sim or behavior analytics is going to fix your damn internal blue flaw. Go fix it. Yeah. Go patch it, right? Oh, I can't because downtime, da, 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 da. Um, let's just say Target, Anthem. I mean, how much is that worth? You know, yeah. and, and it's I don't want to do the whole FUD thing because that's overplayed. But legitimately, everybody tries to, to fix, you know, the whole, the boat's rotted on the inside, kids. You know, y'all can't keep putting steel plating on it because the structure <laughs> is just shot. So... As painful as that is, and if you don't have the ability, and that's cool, not everybody does, find someone, right? I mean, we can hook you up with that. There are tools to automate even that kind of thing, too. I was going to say, I mean, so one of the biggest problems with getting investment in anything is you need to do something that's impactful and sexy. If I said, I want to automate patch management, that is possibly the most unsexy term in the whole of the (laughs) IT dictionary. What you say is, I can can systematically reduce our risk profile with a very low investment. what you've just said, the, the names you've just brought up and the attacks that they were done by fundamentally were just lack of up to date yeah. you know, the, the, what makes me laugh is you bought this really expensive piece of technology and you know the, the, the provider of that really expensive piece of technology they're trying to keep you you know as safe, as possibly, yeah. as safe as possible if you're not literally taking that new safe thing and applying it then well mm-hmm. again you're ca- absolutely ca- right. car analogy right I'm, I'm a car guy right you buy a brand new Corvette and you never change oil in it yeah, it's going to be really fast for about three thousand miles, and then stuff's <laughs> going to go real bad real quick. You know, for for the lack of a fifty dollar oil change, yeah, yeah. you've destroyed a seventy thousand no. dollar automobile. You're absolutely right. So, Jamie, I a hundred and ten percent agree, and that's actually what I was trying to get to when I mentioned the word compliance. Is uh, there are tools around that now, especially with a little more focus on the cloud solutions, but there are tools around that. They're going to let you know, like, hey. Uh, did you know your users haven't changed your password? Did you know, you know, there's like default credentials still being used? Things like that are extremely, extremely important. And these are holes in your security posture. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy fixes, but they slip by. And that's the 
It's yeah. problem. And it actually probably dovetails into your earlier question. You know, how do we get involved in a security practice? That's an easy way. That's, that a, that's an easy, an easy question. And When's the last time you passed your Citrix box? Yeah. And, uh, it's, um, and what I like is one of the biggest problems we have in the IT industry as a whole is what I like to call the shiny box syndrome. Totally. Where everyone wants the new shiny box. And this is literally 101. This is this is not even 101. This is just 0.1. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've been having this every Tuesday since, well, Microsoft began with Patch Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. And what a great way as well. Nice, actual, very unusual for bandwidth to give genuine practical advice. <laughs> um, so thank you very much, guys. I'll send you a bill. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, as we like to say, Good thank night. you very much. <laughs> Jamie, really, really appreciate coming on. Must have you back again soon. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, David, as always, it's been an absolute nightmare. No, thanks for uh, co-hosting with us on the uh, North American version, and we'll send you back across the pond as soon as possible. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, buddy. Catch you later. Thanks, all. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. To contact us on Twitter, use hashtag AeroBandwidth. And we'll see you next week.